Welcome to Making Our Way Forward, a podcast where we share compelling life stories and learn from the experience of everyday entrepreneurs. At NACI, we celebrate diversity and invite you to join the conversation as we talk to entrepreneurs and leaders from all walks of life. We hope that by telling their stories, we bring you inspiration, empower you to take action, and ignite entrepreneurship in your community. Welcome to Making Our Way Forward podcast, where we interview people who are doing amazing things in communities and changing the world for the better. It's my pleasure to introduce Kate Hoffman to the program. I met Kate right before the pandemic where we were both attending an awards ceremony and had a chance meeting. So I want to welcome Kate to the program. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and have this conversation. Great. So why don't you share with our listeners around the world uh, where you are uh, in the country and what inspired you uh, to do your work uh, through Earn to Learn, which has really taken the national stage? So I reside in Tucson, Arizona. I actually came here to go to graduate school at the University of Arizona. And then I am one of those people that never left. And I have lived here since then. So I feel like I'm a native of Arizona at this point. And uh, this is also where the idea for Earn to Learn originated was right here in Tucson. So you were in graduate school and I understand you you had a career in, in banking. Um, so tell us about that. What did you do? What were some of the problems that you identified that really led you to coming up with a really innovative solution? So when I finished my degree, uh, my graduate degree in history, I actually ended up getting a job working at Merrill Lynch as a financial advisor directly out of grad school. And I worked there for a number of years and we were providing financial expertise to the clients that we served. And back in like 2007 timeframe, I had the opportunity to attend a Habitat for Humanity meeting here in Tucson. And they were talking about the fact that they were building 20 to 25 houses a year uh, in Pima County. And then somebody in the audience asked, well, how many people are applying to Habitat? And the response is actually what caused a lightning bolt to descend from the sky and strike me uh, to shift into nonprofit really with the idea of wanting to make a difference, wanting to really identify where were their gaps in service, where was their unmet need. And you may be thinking, well, housing, education, how did it ultimately become Earn to Learn? You know, at that time, uh, there was a lot of questionable uh, activity happening within the housing sector, right? And, uh, you know, people were able to qualify for loans they didn't understand. They were getting into houses that they couldn't afford. And I thought the last place those individuals can afford to be is in the office of somebody who doesn't have their best interests at heart, right? And the subprime lending and everything else. So I started doing research about what was available in the nonprofit community and came across Match Savings, 
Uh, and it really resonated with me because of my background. And then I also really love the fact that financial capability training was such a core component of match savings. And then fate intervened and I got invited to go on a high school, a tour of a high school here locally that served a really low income target population. And the goal of that school was to get 100% of those students to go on to post-secondary. And I thought, well, wait a minute, this match savings concept could support them. So that's actually where the epiphany for Earn to Learn came from. That's great. And I I love that you have a servant's heart and um, a strong financial mind, because that's a lot of what we do, the work we do at NACI, we have a a really robust partnership with Intuit, where um, looking at financial tools, and and as you know, and as we've talked about before, there are segments of, of society that are left out of that. And if you don't learn how to manage money and certainly to, to save and some of the, the, the vehicles, um, which is how people in the middle class and beyond um, are able to provide uh, for their families in their future. So that is a, is a wonderful thing. And I, I love the name of the organization that you created, Earn to Learn, because I think that that is quite remarkable. And I had the opportunity uh, last year to hear the stories of some of the students that have participated in your program. Now, as I understand it, um, it's 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 very robust in Arizona, and we're going to get to that a little bit later, how you're going to scale it nationally. But Kate, share with us a couple of the stories of the students who have really benefited from this Earn to Learn model and the kind of impact that that's made in their lives. One of, uh, one of the stories that I uh, absolutely love uh, and am excited to share is in Arizona, we're not only working with the three state universities, ASU, NAU, and U of A. We also have expanded to Pima Community College, as you know, and Maricopa Community College District. And we're getting ready to expand to rural community colleges in Arizona. And so it creates the opportunity for us to support multiple student pathways, the four-year pathway, the two-year pathway. And most recently, we had expanded it to also support vocational training and CTE. While the majority of the students participating in the program are first-generation students, and really early on, we had recruited a young woman who was a first-generation student. And She wanted to attend the U of A and she got involved in the program and started to systematically save towards her savings goal of $500. And ultimately the goal was that she would walk onto the U of A campus and be the first person in her family to to pursue a post-secondary degree. Well, she had such success with it that her her sister also then got enrolled in the program. So then both of the children in this single parent household uh, were participating in Earn to Learn. And when we expanded Earn to Learn to Pima Community College, I am so excited to say that the mother of these two wonderful young women contacted somebody on our team and said, does this mean I can do this too? And so she ended up enrolling and attending Pima Community College and is successfully on Pima Community College's campus right now. Uh, And I just think that speaks to the ability of a program like this to support multiple generations within the same household and, and really 
positions it to break the cycle of multi-generational poverty. Uh, I just love that story. And I, I think it's inspirational. It's super inspirational. And I personally, that's what I've always loved about community colleges. And uh, right now, as we're recording this, it's during graduation season. And, um, you know, being in this space for over a decade, it's always exciting because you might have a high school student that's earning a, um, a two-year degree because they were duly enrolled and then sometimes you have people in their 50s, 60s, or whatever. Um, and, and I think what you're speaking to is not only the power of really sort of reversing generations of inequity, but also, you know, really leveraging that, that open access. I, I know you had mentioned Pima and the Maricopa Community College District. Both of those institutions are very engaged in the work of NACI because they really see kind of entrepreneurial mindset, which Kate is really, I think what you've implored, you know, in, in creating this. And I want to ask you, because I'm always curious as to people that are very successful like you, what were some of the challenges along the way? Because this is not like a, a overnight thing that you've been like working at this for a long time. So maybe share with us a couple of the challenges that you had. You had the vision, you had the passion, you had the purpose, what were some of the challenges and how did you deal with those as a leader? Well, I think, you know, looking back at those really early years when it was truly just me and my dining room table and we were taking a concept to the three state universities, this match savings concept that really historically had never played out in the way that we positioned Earn to Learn in Arizona in the history of this country. So I think some of the challenges uh, were, you know, working in an environment where there is a lot of complexity. I mean, financial aid is definitely complex. Mm -hmm. And how were we going to position effectively bringing a new tool to the table to support college affordability and access? And I think some of those challenges initially for me was, you know, really helping people understand what the potential of a program like this could be. But mind you, it was conceptual, right? And, you know, we didn't have the track record to show at that time that this is really going to work. And so, you know, getting people to buy into that vision uh, in those early years and, and really be willing to support it financially and support it with staffing and everything else. I, I'm really grateful to the three state universities in Arizona for being willing to, to partner with me on that. And I will tell you, um, it is because of that that we started to be able to have a track record. And then, of course, as you know, uh, multiple states came forward interested in replicating the model. But it was it was identifying who those early champions were that I think was, you know, a big undertaking. And it did take a lot of time. It didn't happen overnight. It absolutely didn't happen overnight. Uh, the other port part for me as a social entrepreneur was the transition from it being me and my dining room table which it had been me and my dining room table for a good chunk of those early years to all of a sudden I had to figure out payroll, insurance, hiring people, right? right? The whole staffing model, what was going to be required to make a program like this work and really bring value to the students and families that we were serving. And, you know, as I mentioned really early on in the, in the conversation with you, my 
master's degree is in history. So it's not like I have a business degree that like provided this foundation of knowledge as to how to start a business. So from an entrepreneur standpoint, you know, the learning curve at many times in those early years felt steep, if not inverted. Uh, But it was, you know, persevering through that and knowing that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. and, and, And there were a lot of challenging times in the early years, for sure. Great. So talk about some of the people that helped you along the way. And it it seems like in your journey, what you talked about, about sort of the early adopters, that's the heavy lift. You know, once you're, that's a momentum and you've got the attention of people and you've got funding, then everybody jumps up to, to your assistance. Yes. It has been my own personal experience, but I know there have been a couple of people that have really been allies for you and partners that have really impacted the success of your initiative. So maybe just share with us uh, who those people are and maybe how did they reach out to you and and help you? So I have some pretty amazing mentors in my life. And one of those mentors uh, actually went on that tour of that high school that I told you about at the beginning of the conversation, he was with me on that tour. And so when I had the epiphany and found out maybe there's some merit to this idea of match savings to support these students, I circled back with him uh, to share my idea. And I remember his whole face lighting up and he told me at that conversation, we went to breakfast. He told me at that conversation, I wasn't thinking big enough. And I was like, what does that mean? And ultimately, uh, you know, he made some introductions that led to other introductions. And it was really, you know, thinking about like some of those early adopters being willing to open up their networks so that I could have further conversations with others who might be more, uh, uh, more closely associated with uh, financial aid and so on and so forth. So, you know, really people believing in you and willing to recognize like this is an idea, but it is an idea with merit and they're willing to open up their networks to you. I think that's a critical component when you're a social entrepreneur, for sure, or for any type of entrepreneur, really. Indeed. And I think, you know, that intangible trust that, you know, because that is something it takes a long time to earn and you can lose in a moment. And I know that really putting um, relationships and um, letting people take a chance on you. And it's interesting to hear you talk about your mentor and saying you didn't think big enough because that's what people have said to me too, from, from NACI. And, and, and I'm so glad that, that we surround ourselves with people that are willing to be honest with us and say, you know, you have a golden opportunity, but you got to get out there and hustle and and put yourself in positions that, um, you know, nothing in your life has prepared you for that. And I had the opportunity, Kate, to hear you and Chancellor Lee Lambert and others present um, before the Federal Reserve Board, which was phenomenal. So I, I, I can only imagine that that is something, um, you know, 10 years prior that you couldn't have even imagined. So talk to us about how did that opportunity happen and, and why did it happen? How did you find yourself at that place and, and what resulted from that? Well, so Earn to Learn launched in January of 2013. And as I 
shared, right? Over time, we were building that track record of success. And yet again, uh, with you know the number of states that were reaching out and expressing interest in replicating the model, uh, it created the opportunity for me to build this very broad network of champions in multiple states. And the individual in Virginia who is interested in replicating the model in Virginia said, I've just been invited to this Federal Reserve meeting and it's a private meeting by invitation only. And you would be so great to be at that. It would be so great for you to be at that meeting. And he actually reached out to the Federal Reserve and said, we should invite Kate Hoffman from Earn to Learn in Arizona. And they did. And when I went to that meeting, this was pre-pandemic, as you can imagine. So it was in person and it was for a two-day period. And at the meeting, I actually got to meet uh, the folks with the governing board of the Federal Reserve. And I shared with them this success story out of Arizona. And ultimately, that's a big part of how we ended up having that opportunity to present uh, just recently uh, in that virtual environment, uh, but it was such an amazing opportunity and I was so grateful. That's great. And so a few things that I've heard you talk about just in the last few minutes is really asking for help and, and kind of oh, yes. saying that you don't know everything, but really being somewhat humble, but somewhat bold at the same time. And then yeah. when big opportunities come your way, stepping into that space and saying yes. And, and I think for everyone out there that might be listening to us that has an idea of a problem to solve and some passion to really take those nuggets and, and think about how you might apply it to your own life. Because we had a conversation the other day at our corporate office here in Raleigh, and we were talking about the opportunity that the pandemic has presented. Um, and, and one of those things is people are kind of given greater license to innovate. And if you do something that, um, you know, is not immediately successful, people are not really expecting you to succeed anyway. So it gives you really um, that open opportunity. So I think that's amazing. And Kate, I know the time is going so fast, but I really want to talk to you and you could maybe share a little bit about how you um, are making your way forward through the pandemic. You gave us an example of pivoting on the virtual um, presentation, but what what have you done and what are you doing right now to, to make sure that you keep the momentum going from Earn to Learn? So when the pandemic hit, we absolutely shifted the entire team to working virtually uh, because the whole world shifted to a virtual environment. And what we found was that even with the team working virtually, we were having great success with continuing to support the students who are enrolled in the program. Uh, but one of the pieces that became very clear very quickly was the, tech, the digital divide, you'll sometimes hear it referred to that. And so we also worked actively to secure funding through philanthropy to help support those students in, in bridging that digital divide. Uh, but to that end, I also think that as a result of the pandemic, so much continues to be happening virtually. And so we are able to conduct meetings where in the past it might have required flying to Washington DC, for example, to have meetings with various folks. And now uh, virtually everyone is willing to meet online. Uh, and so that's been very, it's just been an interesting um, result of this pandemic that 
perhaps will continue for the foreseeable future. You know, that that we're going to continue to be able to have meetings without getting on a plane. And I, I've been really grateful for that because it keeps me close to home and my, my two children and my family. And I'm sorry for all of the heavy panting in the background, but my dog, uh, who's decided <laughs> to join us for the podcast. So, uh, so all of that to say, um, I'm not sure if I answered your question. No, you did. You did. And I think it's funny, you were talking about your dog and I, you know, I have yeah. two dogs myself along with my family that helps me take care of them. And, I've heard the pandemic is really going to be an adjustment for a lot of our family pets because they're used to the whole family being home. And then I, I notice uh, even in my own home when I go outside, like they cry at the door. So they become a little, little dependent. So I guess all of that is to say that the world has has changed us uh, dramatically. But I think, you know, the change agents that are going to move forward and really uh, change the world are people like you that that have an idea, but they're willing to do that hard work to build, build it out. And despite obstacles, um, make it happen. So one thing I thought too, that Kate, you might want to share is if people want to learn more about earn to learn, or if they're listening from another state or another place, how can they find out about the work that you do and perhaps uh, get involved if it it doesn't have to happen to be in their community or on their campus? So As I had shared earlier, we've been contacted by over 25 states expressing an interest in replicating this model, which I think is really, really exciting and very encouraging in terms of this potentially becoming a new model of supporting families uh, in terms of post-secondary access and success. To that end, I would recommend going to our website, www.earntolearn.org. And on the website, there's different opportunities to sign up for our newsletters and certainly contact information is available on our website, et cetera. But I uh, would highly encourage uh, individuals who are listening to this podcast that want to learn more about Earn to Learn to absolutely reach out because there's so much opportunity. And we just recently introduced the Earn to Learn Act in the U.S. Senate. And I had a call this morning regarding the companion bill that's about to get introduced in the House. And it really will help to take this program national and support many states coming to the table and replicating this model. So if folks want to learn more about that too, we're certainly here to help address any of those questions also. That's fantastic. And I do hope people will get onto your website and learn more about that. And the nice thing about what you're doing is you're using existing assets, but you're you're providing a new solution, which is not only cost effective, but it, it allows you to scale uh, quickly. So I am just so impressed with the work that you're doing and, and the passion that you bring to the table. And I, I think we're going to see great things. Um, what's not to love about this bill? That's the other space uh, that's a good good place to be in. So, um, so Kate Hoffman, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a wonderful conversation. I appreciate the things that you're doing, and I can't wait to see how Earn to Learn helps thousands of people in the future to realize the dream of, of joining the middle class and beyond. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the invitation and and can't wait to see what continues to play out with Earn to Learn in the weeks and months and in the in the future because I do believe it does have great potential to support so many. 
Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that listening to this podcast will help you to explore the many ways we might define entrepreneurship. Join us every other Wednesday for more episodes as we celebrate opportunity, learn from one another, and grow together. Subscribe to this podcast, connect with us on social media, and learn more about today's speakers at nacy.com forward slash podcast. We look forward to making our way forward together with you. Have you heard about our latest book, Impact Ed? How Community College Entrepreneurship Creates Equity and Prosperity? This is our roadmap for building back better in 50 states and globally. In each chapter, we share the inspiring stories of everyday entrepreneurs and explain how community colleges play a crucial role in their success. Visit us at nacy.com slash impact ed to order your copy now and join us in this work. Have you heard the exciting news? NACI recently released a new publication titled The NACI Playbook, Volume 1, all about how entrepreneurial mindset sets the new standard for success in communities and colleges. The NACI Playbook digs into entrepreneurial mindset and how practicing leadership with this framework creates an agile culture with space to innovate, co-create, fail forward, and accelerate growth. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership require us to lean in, anticipate and recognize trends, manage change, be resilient, take risks, reflect, and rest in the knowledge that anything is possible. Learn from our innovative, insightful, generous network who navigates both challenges and opportunities entrepreneurially as we share what we've learned and how you might apply their experience to your work. We hope you'll be as inspired as we were. Learn more at www dot nacyplaybook dot com